Welcome to the Reader House Author Roundtable, where authors from all walks of life come together to discuss the trials, tribulations, and triumphs of publishing their books. I'm your host, Corey Graham. Join us here every Friday night at 8 p.m. or listen anytime via podcast at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and PodServe, to name just a few. The Author Roundtable is sponsored by Reader House Online Bookstore, where the independent new authors come first. There's a new book out in stores right now. It's titled, Who Made Me? And I'm really happy to be speaking with the author, Isabel Witwer, right now here at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Isabel, thanks for joining me tonight. Thank you for so much for having me. Congratulations on getting this new book out there. It's called, Who Made Me? So what's this one all about? This one is a a children's Christian book, and it's about a young boy who has questions for his dad, as many kids do. And his dad, instead of giving him direct answers, he instructs him to look towards the Bible and discover what it says about asking the world who made it. And he sets out into his local environment to figure it out. Where did the idea for this come about? What inspired you to sit down and say, man, this is a great story. I got to write this. Well, I have three children, so I am around other children's books all the time. Mm. And my grandfather was a very big outdoorsman, and he was also a Christian man, and he was very passionate about stewardship and taking care of the earth and just asking nature who made it themselves instead of wondering so hard. Mm. (laughs) So my grandfather and my children really inspired this book for me. I think it's good for all ages. Everyone can take away something from it, Mm. but it is geared towards children, probably two to 10 would be the most receptive to it. But, you know, everyone can learn from something from it. So is this your first venture into the realm of publishing or writing? It is. And it happened in the middle of COVID and it was an experience. (laughs) Mm, I bet. What was the most challenging part about things for you? The most challenging part was deciding what route of publishing was right for me. And waiting and being patient and trusting that it would get picked up and that it would get out there despite all my hard work. So it's a long process, but it's worth it. Mm, Absolutely. So then when you got that first copy in your hands after all that time and all that hard work you put into it, what was that moment like for you when you got to hold it? I really couldn't believe it. It's a bit bit surreal to see your name on something and and then go online or in a store and then see it. But when it's your first published work and you work so hard on it, it's it's almost it's it's very surreal. You can't even believe it. <laughs> <laughs> Being your first book, I know you learned a lot along the way. So what advice would you have to the authors listening right now who are just starting out and want to do that too? I would advise to not give up. Be really persistent. Be annoying to an extent. <laughs> if you don't think they're going to pick it up, send it anyway. Mm. If you don't think that they, it's you know in their realm of the work they usually publish, send it anyway. Keep sending it. Be annoying and don't give up. Someone will pick it up and you'll eventually find a route that is best for you. That's great advice. Patience and persistence are definitely key to being successful here. What's next? Have you given any consideration to maybe doing it again? Yes, I have many children's books written. I have a few adult books written. It's just a matter for me if I am moved to start the process again. Mm. <laughs> I don't think I had the typical 
publishing experience being in the middle of COVID. So I'm kind of recovering from that, but I definitely plan on sending out more manuscripts. And because I, I enjoy it. I enjoy having my kids see my book and they're like, wow, mom wrote this and amongst (laughs) their plethora of other children's books. So I most definitely will be doing it again. Fantastic. Huge part of children's books, of course, are the illustrations. Uh, what kind of a process was that like for you? Getting your words and what you've written to line up visually, was that challenging? The artist that I worked with was very receptive to my notes, and she knew what I wanted more than I did. And I just kind of had to trust the process. And if I had a correction or two, if it didn't really line up 100% with what was happening in the, the story, she easily fixed it and it turned out better than it was the first round. Artists are good at figuring out what you can't even say. Mm. So I just let them roll with it. <laughs> well, I encourage our listeners to check this book out. It's called Who Made Me? It's written by Isabel Whitwer and it's published by Christian Faith Publishing. Of course, you can find this everywhere that you go shopping for books like Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, traditional brick-and-mortar stores, everywhere. Isabel, thank you again for joining me tonight. I had a wonderful time talking with you. I hope we can do this again soon. Thank you so much. I'm really happy to be joined right now by author Deke Cateau here at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Deke, thank you so much for joining me. Hey, Corey. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. It's great to have you here. It's so exciting that you have a new book out. People can buy it everywhere. It's titled Brushfire, COVID-19 and Our Nursing Homes. So can you tell me what this is all about? Hey, so the book is actually about the the plight or the battle that nursing homes, specifically the three nursing homes, of which I'm so proud um, to lead, had throughout COVID. So while it's based on my experiences and AG Roads, which is the nonprofit organization in Atlanta, Georgia, which I lead, while it's based on our experiences, undoubtedly the experiences that were experienced by every nursing home in the country. As you know, nursing homes were ground zero for COVID. Most of the COVID cases and deaths actually were in nursing homes. So it's me chronicling those experiences that we, we, we had and actually are still going through at this time. This is so important to be talking about right now. Dick, did you have any certain readers in mind when you wrote this? Yeah, well, there's several groups. I, I would like every nursing home staff member to read this book and understand that their plights and their cases will never be forgotten and are understood. I also want consumers. I want the media and a lot of people who misunderstand nursing homes and then misunderstand the cards we were dealt to read this. So really, it's a book for everyone, not just nursing home staff, but consumers who may want to move into nursing homes and media and other stakeholders who I think do not understand nursing homes really need to read it as well. This sounds like it might have been something that took you a long time to write and put together. Is that the case? So actually, no, it took me, although it's, it is my first book, I will say that. Mm. It took me a little under a year to, I mean, start to finish. And that's just, uh, you know, because of, to me, the urgency of it. Mm. And living through COVID, uh, really the material was, was there for me to write. So it didn't take as long as I would have expected to have written, but happy to make it my contribution, you know, to the, to the body of work around COVID and, and this pandemic. And congratulations on having your debut book out there. That's really exciting. How does it feel when you get that first copy? You get to hold it in your hands for the first time. 
Oh my gosh, that was a awesome feeling. Mm. We all dream about writing a book. I've said that for years that I've seen a lot in nursing homes and I could write a book. We all think about it, but it's never something we actually act on. Mm. So for me to have actually written one, you know, that day, like you said, when those first couple copies arrived and, and I looked at it, it was, it was a true feeling of, of joy and pride. What are the chances that we'll see more books from you in the future? You know what? I may. Uh, I'm not going to make any promises, <laughs> but, but, but I may. I mean, I think, again, this topic was such an important topic and a topic which is so personal to me. And undoubtedly, you know, as, 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 as I live, as life, as life continues, there would probably be other things that I'm as passionate about. So I'm not going to I'm going to leave that open. You may you may see more to come. Well, I sure hope that we do. Now, do you have any advice for people listening right now who are authors just starting out? Yeah, I mean, take the moment. I used this moment because it was there. It was in front of me. It was a difficult time for me. I was, was suffering from insomnia. I wasn't sleeping at night. Mm. And I channeled a lot of that into writing this book. So I would urge anyone thinking about, about writing a book to when those moments occur, Use those moments to your advantage. Do not waste the moment and the opportunity to start writing and start jotting down your ideas and chronicling. There, there are lots that happens in our lives that I think we do not chronicle. Mm-hmm. And I think chronicling is very important because it leaves a history of that moment that's going to be etched there forever. You can't take that away. A project like this is certainly difficult to take on alone. So, Deke, did you have anybody in your life who knew you were doing this and they could be there to maybe back you up, motivate you, encourage you? Yeah, so my family, firstly, always my wife, Kia, my my children, Danielle, Kiana, Jeremiah, certainly encouraged me throughout this journey. My staff, you know, some directly did, and the frontline staff, literally in nursing homes, who, who I wrote this book for, who I dedicated this book to, they gave me the motivation to keep doing it. Uh, you know, as a leader, you know, I was, I, there's only so much I could have done for them, you know, and I continued trying to do those things to help them. But more importantly, too, I wanted to make sure that their plight was not forgotten. So I thank all of these groups of individuals. Some, again, help me more directly than others. But in general, I thank all of those. And I thank those people who have gone before me who helped me. And I was motivated by the thoughts of my mom and my dad who are no longer with me. And I was motivated by thoughts of their pride in knowing that their son would have written something as seminal as this is. So I thank all of these groups, those with us and those that were not, not with us. And this book is dedicated to them all. And I hope my listeners will check this book out. It's called Brushfire, COVID-19 and Our Nursing Homes. It's written by Deke Cateau, and it's published by Fulton Books. Of course, you can find this everywhere you go shopping for books, like Amazon and Barnes & Noble, iTunes, Google Play, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Deke, thank you for joining me tonight. Thank you for your hard work on all these important things. I had a great time talking. Thank you so much, my friends. And again, thank you to all the frontline heroes working in nursing homes and healthcare throughout the United States and throughout the world. I thank you all. I'd like to welcome back to the show once again, author Patricia Edwards Burton. Patricia, thank you for joining me again. You're welcome, Corey. It's wonderful to see you keep publishing, you keep writing more books. Your newest one out right now is called My Unique Self. So can you tell me about this one? Yes, this book was written as a result of my abuse with molestation and rape, and I suffered with self-esteem for a long time. So I thought to myself, 
why not write a book to help children, you know, overcome mm. their lack of confidence in themselves that can lead to stressful situations and the lack thereof. So that's how this book came about. That's wonderful. You're speaking to children in this one. So did you have an age range in mind? Well, I was seven when I was molested, but you can, I mean, you need self-esteem from an early age. So maybe as long as the child can read or be read to, it would be a good book to read to them. And I would recommend it for adults too, because some adults read children's books and may suffer with low self-esteem as an adult. Hmm. Patricia, your first two books were geared more toward adults, and now this is a children's book. Is this your first time in the arena of children's books? Yes, this is new. This is my first children's book. Hmm. What would you say is the most challenging part about all of this? Well, challenging was the wording, how to word, you know, the encouragement to the children, because I didn't know how to put it together. At one point, I had brain freeze and I had to put mm. down the book for several weeks and then pick it back up. And then I had to ask my daughter, you know, as because she's 12 years old, as a young kid, how would you feel and get us some input from her? Mm. And how long of a process was this for you? It wasn't that long. I mean, be about three months. Now, after this one, do you have plans for writing more and maybe continuing more along this line? As a matter of fact, I have four books written. Wow. As children, and they're ready to be published, but I don't know what I'm going to get around to that. After that, I'm not sure what I'm going to do. It's so good to hear that you're keeping busy writing. How do you keep the ideas flowing? They come to my mind and I pick up the pen. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think that's something great. That's something a lot of authors are afraid to do. Just start writing and, and see what comes out, because even though you might not think you're writing anything worthwhile, often some ideas will really come out of that. That's the truth. So looking back over all the books you've written, all the books that you are going to write, what's the most rewarding aspect of being a published author for you? The most rewarding is the freeness that I experience as a result of writing, you know? Mm. There's a, a sense of letting go, you know, and you can let your imagination run wild because you're, you're in the moment and, you know, you can just enjoy the, the, what you're writing, the content. Mm. You just said it's great for people just to sit down and to start writing. And we've also spoken before about how hard it can be to let your story out and to reach down into parts that might be a little bit painful and to reveal those. So. Do you have any other advice that you could speak to authors who are just starting out, maybe having a little hard time getting started? My advice would be to write. Just write and let it flow. And mm. don't worry about what comes out because you don't know the end result of the content of what you can create and put together as a result of what you've experienced or what's in your mind that you can share with someone. And they can grow from that, you know? Mm. So write. My advice would be to write. Write your story. And when you sit down to read yourself, what sorts of things do you find yourself getting into? Mostly I read my Bible because, mm. you know, that's, that's my guide. That can take places in itself because it's such a well-versed book. When it came to the illustrations for this, was that challenging? What sort of a process was that for you? It was challenging in that you had to choose which illustration that you wanted. It wasn't that challenging that it couldn't be accomplished. 
And I had help from my daughter once again because of her age range. So I wouldn't complain about the illustration because it kind of came together. And it sounds like you like to write whenever the inspiration hits you. Some authors have a time and a place that they like to write, like I like to write as soon as I get up in the morning, or I like to write late at night. Are you a writer like that, or do you just write whenever? I write when the idea comes to my mind, I pick up a pen before it goes away. Mm. My listeners should check this book out. It's called My Unique Self. It's written by Patricia Edwards Burton, and it's published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can find this everywhere, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Patricia, it was wonderful having you on the show again. I hope we can do this again for your next one. Thanks again for being here. Thanks, Corey. I appreciate it. Sitting down here with me now at the Reader House Author Roundtable is author Harold the Dr. Martin. Harold, thank you for joining me tonight. Oh, you're quite well. Thank you for having me here. It's great to have you. Just like to congratulate you on having a new book. It's out in stores right now. It's titled Drugs, Thugs, and PhDs, Illusions of Power. So what's this all about? Oh, it's about uh, different experiences that I have had in my life. You know, I was a drug addict. I was a thug. And then I went and got me a PhD in psychology. Wow. And what inspired you to sit down and write your story and then tell it to the world? God is not no God to be. Hmm. Have you ever written or published before? Yes, I have. My last book that was published was published around 1976, 1977. It was called uh, Survival Manual, First Aid for the Mind. But the topic of the book was materialistic depression. So, Harold, this is a really personal story to you. Would you say that this was an easy book for you to write, or was this difficult for you? Yeah, no, it was pretty easy. It only took me 10 years <laughs> <laughs> to write 100 pages. Wow. It only took me 10 years. That's like about, what, 10 pages a year? <laughs> what was the most challenging part of it for you? Getting started, mm. putting the pen to the paper, because I can't type. You know, I'm a, what they used to call a hunting tech typist. Mm. I could write quicker than I could type. So that was the hardest part, was just getting the pen on the paper. What are the chances you'll be writing more and maybe getting more published in the future? I have three books in the work. Oh, fantastic. I got three books on the way. One's called 2020 Visions, Poems for Our Mind. And on there, I got one poem, uh, one of the featured poems called Pandemic. It go kind of like, Pandemic, pandemic, world now gone schizophrenic. Don't even know how we got in it when we don't know how to begin it. Pandemic, pandemic. Hmm. Harold, a lot of our listeners right now are authors who are just starting out. They want to get their first book out there. What advice would you give them? Tell the truth and stick to what you feel. Hmm. Don't worry about what people are going to think of you, what they're going to think about you. Because you're saying what you feel like saying, as long as you tell the truth, it's all right. Hmm. The truth as you see it. Because I can't tell you what the pure truth is. Only the divine and eternal all uh, is the source of the uh, divine truth. Hmm. As long as you tell the truth, if you're writing a real story, tell the truth. And just say it like it is. You ain't got to search for the words. If you have it in your heart, the words will come to you. Just like that. So, Harold, looking back over the decades that you've been writing, what's the most rewarding aspect for you of being a published author? 
when somebody tells me I liked what you said. Mm -hmm. That's what, you know, when they say, you know, I like that, or they say, well, you know what? You told the truth about that. Because mm -hmm. people don't experience some of the things that I experienced, and they say, well, I never quite heard it said like that, but that's exactly what it is. Mm -hmm. And they've been there. So, Harold, looking at drugs, thugs, and PhDs, what kinds of readers do you think would be the most into this? People who are spiritually inclined and that people that ever did drugs or been a thug or have a PhD. Now, Harold, when you find yourself sitting down and reading a book, uh, what do you find yourself drawn to most often? Well, see, I go into a different space. You know, one of my other books coming out is about astral traveling. Hmm. I'm going to a different place at a different time. I could be right there. I remember when I was a child, I read books, you know, like about India, different places around the world. I actually feel like I was right there at that time in that experience. Wow. The name of the book is Drugs, Thugs, and PhDs, Illusions of Power. It's written by Harold the Dr. Martin, Ph.D., and it's published by Fulton Books. You can find this book everywhere, like at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, Google Play, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Harold, thank you again for joining me tonight. I had a wonderful time learning about you and your story. It's just been a great time chatting. Well, thank you so much for allowing me to have this opportunity to express myself. Right here with me now at the Reader House Author Roundtable is author Dr. Tiffany Tate Moore. Tiffany, thank you for being here with me tonight. Hello. Happy to be here. Glad to be here. I'd like to congratulate you. You have a brand new book out in stores right now. It's called Flowetry, a collection of 108 poetic flows on life, love, and liturgical issues. So can you tell me all about this? Yes. You know, right now we're going through a lot with COVID and the world, and I thought that people could use some encouragement. And I thought that my book would hopefully encourage other people and motivate people and just send out some good vibes into the world. Wow, what a great message. I understand you have something prepared to give our listeners a little taste for what they can expect. Absolutely. And this one is from the liturgical section, and it's entitled, God Is. God Is. <laughs> Because God is, I know that I can be. Even when in a state of misery, he puts joy deep down in my soul, for his love continues to make me whole. God is. When I fall victim to the enemy, even when I believe the lies the enemy tells me, God pulls me out of that state of despair. He showers me with his love and I know he cares.
because God is. When I lose my song, he comes to my aid and helps me along. God gives strength to my inner mien. God whispers to my soul and helps me to stand. And that is it. God mm. is. Beautiful. So what's your writing background like? How long have you been writing poetry? I have probably been writing poetry for the past two years. Mm. I found it as a way to express my emotions because I was kind of going through a bout of depression, essentially, I guess maybe two to three years when I was dealing with the loss of my job mm. because I, I'm a board certified OBGYN. I was medically retired after I sustained a head injury and I went through a series of six surgeries. And after dedicating your life to a profession, and to wake up one morning and being told that you cannot do that profession, it was a devastating blow. Mm. To become a physician, essentially, your life is all about school and training, and you make a lot of sacrifices to pursue that career, mm. and to one day be told you cannot have that career, and that's all you've dreamt about is a significant crisis, per se, professionally. Mm. And so it's like, okay, well, who am I? What am I? And so you, at least me, I had to search deep within myself and say, okay, you know, my life isn't over, even though it really felt as if it was over. And I really had to try to reinvent myself. This is absolutely something the world needs now. It's called Flowetry, a collection of 108 poetic flows on life, love, and liturgical issues. It's written by Dr. Tiffany Tate Moore, and it's published by Christian Faith Publishing. Of course, you can find this everywhere you shop for books. Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, traditional brick-and-mortar stores, everywhere. Tiffany, thanks again for stopping by the show. I had a wonderful time talking with you. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. I'm really happy to welcome to the show right now author Charlotte Dickinson. Charlotte, thank you for being here with me tonight. It's my pleasure. Thank you, Corey. Congratulations on having a new book out in stores right now. It's called Morning Star and the Red Dragon. So can you tell me what this is all about? Yeah, basically it's a story that's loosely based on the Bible about sci-fi angelic beings. It's a story told by a grandpa to a grandson. It's got biblical seeds of truth spread throughout the book, but I've also got a different spin on it with a lot about grandpa's life history, experiences that he's had with his twin brother, which adds a little bit of mystery, drama. There's lots of things. It's not just about sci-fi. It's also about real life as well. Hmm. Charlotte, what kinds of readers do you think would really be into this? You know what? This book is basically very entertaining. It looks like it's a, a juvenile book based on the cover, but it's not really. It's hmm. more driven toward, I would say, high school to young adults and hmm. Even adults are going to find it as a very refreshing read because it's completely different than what you'll get from a traditional book because it's got about three different storylines going all at the same time. And I love hooks, mm. which means at the end of each chapter, there's a hook to make you want to know more, but you may not get to know it until one chapter, two chapter, three chapter, more, four. You know, it's, it's just a fun book. Hmm. I love the creativity here. I got to know, where'd you get the idea for this story? Well, you know what? Actually, it came from, I have a husband who has got a lot of very unique life story experiences. He is an identical twin. Hmm. 
Hmm. He's been all over the world as well as his twin brother. They've had lots of challenging experiences as boys. That's one. Two, I love the Bible. I wanted to share something about the Bible in my book. And actually, the idea came from one of the students I had in a Bible class that said, you know what, if my Bible read more like Star Wars, then I'd be more inclined to read my Bible. And I thought, what a perfect way to kind of blend a a very unique book, because sci-fi kind of appeals to everyone right now. Mm. So if you can tell the story and put God's Word in it and still have real-life experiences there, that is not your typical run-of-the-mill book. Mm, Absolutely. Have you ever done anything like this before when it comes to writing a book or being published? Oh, yeah, yeah. I, You know what? I wrote online for faithwriters.com for quite mm. a while by entering every contest I could. I've also published one other book. You know, I understood the process. It's a lot about work, and I love the writing process. So this is my opportunity not only to have the writing process, but because this is a book one in a series, I've already written a second book, but I'm going to enjoy the ride of marketing book. This is a new experience for me, so I'm going to enjoy that. And when my publisher publisher tells me the time is right, then we'll introduce the second one. Hmm. What's it like for you then when you get to hold that first copy of a book in your hands? You know what? It's, it's, it's a very unique experience because that's a, that's a part of me that is going to live on long, long after I'm gone. Mm. I've already gotten, I had several readers. They helped me along the way to kind of fine tune a few things. This book is going to be around for a while because it's, it's very unique and it's very entertaining and I'm thrilled to be a part of it. Did Morningstar and the Red Dragon take a long time for you to write and put through the publishing process? Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, Actually, the actual research part of it, I was looking for a book that was original. Mm. I've been telling stories for a very long time. I began as an early age. I like telling whopper stories, meaning way out of the park, long story short. I was looking for something that was unique. And so about two years of research went into the actual book itself. And as I began to brainstorm with my husband about the book, I told him, you know what? You can wear people out if you just want to talk about sci-fi things or godly things all the time. He says, why don't you turn it into a story told by a grandpa to his grandson? And I thought, man, that's unique because that appeals not only to the Christian market, to the secular market as well. If you've ever read, there's a book called Pilgrim's Progress, Mm. which is kind of along the same lines, which I had read a number of times. And that certainly helps spark the idea for writing it as a sci-fi. I just blended in real life stuff at the same time so that readers could not only get the benefit of the secular side, but they could also get the benefit of the sci-fi side all in the same book. The book is titled Morning Star and the Red Dragon. It's written by Charlotte Dickinson and it's published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can find this everywhere, of course, like at Amazon and Barnes & Noble and iTunes and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Thank you again, Charlotte, for joining me on the show tonight. I had such a nice time talking with you. Thank you very much. I appreciate the opportunity. Have a good day. A Thin Pink Ribbon. It's the new book by Terry Carlson, and I'm really happy that she's joining me now to talk about it. Terry, thank you so much for being here tonight. Thank you. Can you tell me all about what readers can expect in a thin pink ribbon? Yes. It actually came from my journey through breast cancer that I had a year ago. Mm. And in it, I document a lot of my journaling, my blogging, prayers and thoughts that I had going through the process. I also end up relating to my mother a great deal in this too. She died of breast cancer when I was 34. Mm. So I talk about the inspiration that she was to me when 
I ended up using her battle as an inspiration many years later when I myself became ill with breast cancer. So it's a kind of a culmination of things that people can read. It's something that they can possibly relate to in their own lives. I had so many questions myself when I was going through it. And ironically, I am a retired x-ray tech, and I actually did mammograms for many years hmm. and was on the other side of things. But when I went through it myself, I kept thinking I was missing things or why couldn't I cry or why was I feeling the way I did? And I just put those all into my thoughts in this book so that other women could pick it up and say, wow, I felt that way too. Is there anything in particular that gave you the idea or persuaded you to sit down and release this to the world? Well, I've dabbled in writing for many years, mm -hmm. and I've had a lot of friends that have encouraged me to try and publish a book. And I thought, nobody wants to read what I have to write except for my friends. And as I went back through my journaling and I went back through things, and I was actually blogging on a place called Caring Bridge when I was going through my diagnosis. And I thought, maybe this is the time. Maybe this is the time to try. And so Covenant was, was gracious enough to give me a chance. So what was it like for you then when you got to hold the first copy of this in your hands? I cried. Mm. I cried. You know, they send you 10 authors' copies. Mm. And I had gotten so excited because the editing process is pretty long. Mm. You know, so with each step of the editing process, I kept getting more and more excited. <laughs> and it was surreal to me. You know, I, I opened up the box and uh, my husband grabbed one of the books and he started reading. And I just sat there and I looked at the cover with my name on it and I just bawled. I was like, my gosh, I can't believe that this is really me and this is my book and I'm able to share it with everyone. Have you given any thought to maybe writing another book and being published more? I do have an idea for another book and I've started gathering ideas and gathering things that I've written to put together for another book. And I, I do believe that I think that I, I might have something more to say. Well, that'd be fantastic. Thank you. Now, what words of advice could you offer to authors who are just starting out on things? To have a heart, to believe in yourself. I think you really have to believe in yourself and believe your message is worth sharing and never give up, never give up. Because this has been like, for me, probably like 40 years in the making, really. And I never thought, like I said, that anybody would want to read what I had to write, but obviously they do. And it's very exciting. And I just believe that you need to believe in yourself and mm -hmm. put, your, put your heart into it and give it a chance. Mm -hmm. Great advice. Thank you. Terry, for you now, what would you say is the most rewarding aspect of being a published author? The most rewarding aspect, I think, is that people are reading my words. They're actually finding it notable to buy my book mm -hmm. and wanting to read my words and wanting to read what I have to say. And hopefully, hopefully, if it helps even just one person get through their breast cancer journey, then that's the most rewarding thing. Hmm. I encourage my listeners to check this book out. It's called A Thin Pink Ribbon. It's written by Terry Carlson and is published by Covenant Books. You can get this everywhere on Amazon, at Barnes & Noble, on iTunes and Google Play and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. It was a pleasure having you on the show tonight, Terry. Thank you again. Thank you so very much. Well, listeners of the show are going to be really happy to know that I'm welcoming back author Weldon L. Haywood. Weldon, thank you for joining me again. 
Well, thank you so much for having me. Well, congratulations on getting book two of Sham and Shell out there. So can you tell me what readers have in store this time around? Well, this time they've made their destination to the town they were traveling on the wagon train. And now they're going to explore the land that Sham has inherited from or been granted by the uh, army for his services. And during the book, they're going to find that they're going to meet new characters and new people are going to be introduced. And the little ones, as they are known, Joey and Alice are going to become featured in the book. They're going to take a journey exploring the land that will eventually become the branch that Sham and Shell build together as a couple. Hmm. And for listeners right now who may not be familiar with the setting, uh, the location, time, and everything of the story, could you just give us a little background as to what we're looking at? Well, yes. This is a, a love story based right after the Civil War ended. Sham was a sniper in the Army. And he met Shell on a wagon train, and they were both going to the Oregon Territory, a little town in the Oregon Territory. They met, and they fell in love along the way, and now they're going to begin to build their life together as a couple. Now, this is book two, so do you have thoughts about book three? Book three is currently being edited. I have the edited copy of book three. It's already written. Wonderful. It's a five-book series. All five books have been written. I am putting them out six months between each other. So book two is now out and available for readers. Book three will be available towards the end of January. And book four and five will follow. It's a five-book series to tell the whole story of Sham and Shell. It's all been written already, and I'm just putting them out in sequence so that the readers can enjoy them one by one. Mm. That's quite a story. Did you ever have trouble along the way? Did you ever get a writer's block or just hit a point where you're like, I just don't know where to go next? I had many of those, actually. (laughs) I mean, it was, I went back and I changed. I had written maybe four or five pages or something, and I went back and totally just threw them out and rewrote the whole scene of how I wanted the story to flow. I knew from the beginning where I wanted to take the story, but there were times when I wrote myself into an area where I couldn't find my way out. And I I tell people, I say, I've written myself into a a block. So they say, well, go back and unblock yourself. And I I would. I'd go back and i say, okay, I know what I'm trying to say and what I want to say. But the way I've said it so far is not working. So rewrite it to where you can continue the story in an interesting and entertaining way that readers will appreciate. And that's what I did. Mm. Well, and so much time and hard work goes into writing and and publishing. So what's it like when you get the first copy of that book in your hands? It is totally exciting. I mean, I feel pride. I feel proud. And really, it brings tears to my eyes because Mm -hmm. my family, I have seven brothers and sisters, and they always say, just go for it. Go for it. You've been writing all your life, and now you're actually writing for others to read it. Don't give up. So it's just a sense of pride and a sense of accomplishment that in a lot of ways I can't explain. Hmm. Well, and like I said, Sham and Shell, the five-book series, takes a lot of time, a lot of energy. But have you thought beyond this about writing more, maybe something different? (laughs) I'm glad you asked that because now that those five books have been written, not all published yet, I've actually started on a, a new book. And it's a totally, it's still a Western certainly western themed but it goes from a different direction shaman shell's romance was 
almost instantaneous. The book I'm writing now is still going to be a Western romance, but it's going to evolve over a long period of time. Actually, the two characters are, are going to start out as not enemies, but certainly not having a romance as quickly that budded between Sham and Shell. It's an adventure that I've started writing, and it'll come out, I'll put it out once the other five books of the Sham and Shell series is already published. So yes, I'm, I'm going to continue to write. It's a passion that I have, and it's something that I enjoy doing. Mm, obviously, you're passionate about it, and Weldon, thank you for sharing that passion with the world. I encourage listeners to check this series out. Right now, it's Sham and Shell, book two. It's written by Weldon L. Haywood and it's published by Fulton Books. Of course, you can get this everywhere you go shopping for books like Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, Google Play, traditional brick-and-mortar stores, everywhere. Weldon, thank you again for coming on the show. It's so nice to talk with you again. I really hope we can do this again for book three. I am looking forward to it, and again, thank you so much. There's a touching story in the new book by Nancy Tuill. It's called Jesus Lives in Texas. I'm really happy to be talking with Nancy here right now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Nancy, thank you for joining me tonight. Thank you for having me, Corey. Can you tell me all about Jesus Lives in Texas? So this, this was a labor of love for my grandchildren. We really did. We moved from New York to Texas and, you know, with everything in the world and the values and we just needed something, you know, bringing it back to what's important, saying your prayers at night and talking to your grandparents. And it just was something that I just had to do. Hmm. About how long did this take you to put together? I would say I had the idea, but it probably took me about three months. And what kinds of readers do you think would really be into it? You know, I think any child can read it. I think adults, I've sent it out to some of my friends, and they even just love reading it. It, it makes you happy. It makes you smile. Any child from baby all the way up, I mean, really, I wouldn't put an age on it. I suppose it's for little children, but everybody has said that it just makes them think of Jesus. Mm. That's really what I wanted. The first thing that caught my eye about the book was the cover. And it's illustrated by Gus Tuwill. So could you tell me about that? That's my husband. Mm. We both sort of semi-retired from New York. My husband had a little 99-cent store, and I worked in Manhattan. And we said, you know, we always wanted to do something together. And he loves drawing. I love writing. And we had the time. And we said, this is what we're doing. We're, we're doing this labor of love. It's coming forward. And we just sat down. And each and every illustration was carefully worked out. We knew what we wanted, how we wanted to do it. We didn't want someone else to illustrate it. We really wanted it to be exactly what we wanted. I was really happy with it because we did all of it, every single word, every single picture. I love it. That's wonderful. <laughs> Have you ever done anything like this before when it comes to writing or publishing? No, I didn't. This is my first, but I used to write. I did creative writing. I wrote poems, but I never, ever put, never even thought to do this or put it in a book. Or I've had people tell me, oh, you know, you, you really, you really have ideas. You should put them down. And now that we're here and we have the time, I'm going to do more because I really enjoyed it. That's wonderful to get your first book out there. Congratulations. Oh, what Thank did it feel you. like whenever you got to hold that first one in your hands? Oh, I can remember that there was a knock on the door. The books were in this huge box. I opened it. I was touching it. I was holding it. I was hugging it. We were screaming, jumping up and down. <laughs> <laughs> it was wonderful. It was mm. wonderful. Nancy, do you have any words of advice now that you could offer to authors who are just starting out as well? 
I say, if you have an idea, start to write it down. Even if it's, you know, in your notebook, on your phone, write something down, think about it. Then the next day, think about something else. And before you know it, it flows out. You know what you want to say. You want the message. Just do it. Just sit down, write the first sentence or write the idea down. Look at it, leave it on the table and say, I'm going back to this. I'm doing it because it's something I, I want to tell the story and I want other people to smile and enjoy it. And that's what I wanted at the end of the book, the last page, when I give it to somebody and I watch them read it and they smile. That's what it's all for. Mm. Have you talked to Gus about maybe doing this again, maybe writing another book like this? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I started it. I start. I started writing something, and I told him, "Okay, you better get these are the pictures I need. So you better you better start getting it in your head." So now he's thinking, he's looking, he's creating. I said, "Okay, we're sitting down, but I have the next idea." And so start practicing on those illustrations again. <laughs> <laughs> now I encourage our listeners to check this book out. It's called "Jesus Lives in Texas." It's written by Nancy Tuwill, and it's published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can find this everywhere that you go shopping for books, like at Amazon and at Barnes & Noble on iTunes and traditional brick-and-mortar stores, too. Nancy, thanks again for stopping by the show. I had a wonderful time talking with you. Thank you, Corey. I so enjoyed it. Right now here at the Reader House Author Roundtable, I'm sitting with author Arlene S. Mighton. Arlene, thank you for joining me. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's really exciting. You have a new book out in stores right now. It's titled The Viet Co Conundrum. What's the book all about? Well, the book is about a missionary movement in Vietnam. And I start with having a woman in the United States who's struggling with COVID-19 and her two children who are very upset that they have to be inside. Hmm. She sits them down and tells them about the missionaries and their hard struggles. And after that, the children rethink that there perhaps can be a better attitude on their part and they become more compliant to working through COVID-19. How did the idea come about for this? Well, I've had it in my mind for many years. When I was a uh, young nurse in mm. nurses training, I attended a church where the, many of the missionaries from the Christian Missionary Alliance were in Vietnam. And I remember coming to one prayer meeting where we heard in the Tet Offensive that missionaries had died. And then in 1975, another group of missionaries almost died. And I thought, do they ever apologize for the deaths of these missionaries? Mm -hmm. I wanted to write about it with hopefully that that is resolved someday. Did you have any certain group of readers in mind while you were writing this? I was thinking of just a general audience, naturally, mm. to a Christian community of interest. Mm. But it's a play, and I'm looking forward to how someone would put that on in a play, because the narrator is one of the main parts of the book, and it's very fascinating how they edited it. When it comes to playwriting, what's your background? I've never written a play until I studied it in university. I'm doing my degree in English literature, which has been very uh, challenging and great. And last year I studied playwriting, and it was quite an advanced class. And I thought, I'm going to try and write a play. And so I thought, this is the subject I'd like to write about, the Vietnam era with the missionaries. So I drafted it, and Covenant Books said it's fantastic. Wow, congratulations. That's so exciting. Uh, did this take you a long time to do? A year. It hmm. took me a year. And before this, have you ever written anything else before or been published? Yes, I had published my first book, Ben of Nicklewood, which hmm. is about a homeless man in California, Los Angeles, 
who eventually dies and goes to heaven. And the nurse that took care of him was upset that he hadn't finished his work on earth. And she goes to heaven to deal with it. And they have a long conversation. And then she resolves some of her anger and comes back and contacts the mother. And they work to improve the plight of homelessness in California. As far as playwriting goes, have you thought about maybe trying another one in the future? Yes, I think I would be open. I want to see how this one does. Next spring, I'm looking at all the venues here on the island for putting it on, and they're very open. Hmm. So I'm hoping that one or two places will put the play on. Now that you've been through this, what advice would you offer to authors listening right now who are just starting out? Well, as Margaret Atwood says, who's a very famous writer, you sit down and you start writing. If you have an idea, you've got to start. That's the big thing. And have your wastebasket right at your side. So if you think you're making errors, you can throw it in the basket. And she usually laughs. And then just keep on writing. And gradually, the ideas take hold. And soon you are writing your book. Hmm. Arlene, what was the moment like for you when you got to hold this book in your hands for the first time? Well, I was very excited. When it just came in last month, I was very excited, and all my friends were very excited as well. Hmm. How do you deal with writer's block? It plagues almost all of us when we sit down to write from time to time. How do you deal with something like that? Well, I start to write, even if I'm having difficulty getting the thoughts in my mind. And as I continue writing, even if it's maybe silly stuff, Gradually, there's just something that takes hold, and eventually I overcome it. As Margaret Atkins said, you just have to keep writing, and eventually the idea starts to form. And I do agree with her that that has been my experience. Hmm. Well, I encourage our listeners to check this book out. It's called The Viet Co Conundrum. It's written by Arlene S. Mighton, and it's published by Covenant Books. You can find it everywhere, of course, Amazon and Barnes & Noble, iTunes and Google Play, traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Arlene, thanks again for joining me here tonight. I had such a wonderful time talking with you. Well, thank you for the interview, and I had a wonderful time talking to you. We hope you enjoyed this edition of the Reader House Author Roundtable, where authors from all walks of life come together to discuss the trials, tribulations, and triumphs of publishing their books. We hope to see you back here every Friday night at 8 p.m. or listen anytime via podcast at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and PodServe, to name just a few. The Author Roundtable is sponsored by Reader House Online Bookstore, where independent new authors come first.